Hello, hello, and welcome to the Top Guys Movie Podcast. In this episode, we will be discussing westerns. We'll be discussing all different types of westerns, what are our favorites, what have emotionally affected us in our youths. And uh, we've got a couple of great Top Guy guests. We've got JP and Nolan from Trivia 512. Give it a listen. Next week, we will be discussing Nicolas Cage. Can't wait for that one. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Top Guys Movie Podcast. I'm your top guy, Jim Davis. With me today is JP. JP, how are you doing? I am doing shockingly well. We have our other top guy here today, Nolan. Nolan, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jim. I'm super stoked to be here. Yeah, I was trying to learn about the podcast, so I Googled Top Guys. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I got to say it was a game of managing my expectations, and then I added podcast to it, and... um, yeah, the content changed dramatically. <laughs> well, we almost called ourselves bottom guys, so it would have been... <laughs> the power bottom, yeah. <laughs> no, well, I'm, I'm stoked to be here. I'm thrilled to be here. Absolutely. Nolan is uh, someone I've been trying to be friends with for a really long time. I'm glad we were finally kind of crossing that line. And uh, Nolan famously here in Austin runs Trivia 512, which is the, uh, the bar trivia company that's, that's taking over the space. So I JP do. and Thank I you. go often and uh, win often as well, but not last night. No, yeah. Last night, a couple of blowhards showed up waving their dicks around, talking about uh, talking about how often they win, and then we're soundly trounced. Oh, dude. Soundly. By a team of like 17 people who were clearly looking at their phones all the time. I'm, I'm not, look, I'm not Actually, saying they're bad people, I'm just saying. That was, uh, that was uh, Andy and Aubrey and, uh, and uh, Nikki. Those are, the, those are the ones to beat. They might not Honestly, we, we made some dumb mistakes. Like, uh, we had Cannonball Run instead of uh, uh, Smokey and the Bandit, which was just a mental lapse. Those kind of things happen. Often Often when you win, you played nearly a perfect game, and we just didn't play a perfect game last night. It's perfectly okay. It's very true. It's very true. I'm broken up about it, but I'll get over it eventually. Um, I feel great. I felt like my showing last night was fucking flawless. So you? I, I can't really commiserate with you guys on that one. Sorry. <laughs> I fucking nailed it, dude. Dude, you're the microphone. It's easy with the microphone. Anyone in the Austin area, and we're, we're not just blowing smoke up no one's ass because he's our guest today. Trivia 512 is the best trivia game in Austin. I've been to all kinds here, of different here. ones. What, what's the big name company that sends people to bars? Geeks uh, who drink. Yeah, that shit sucks. Don't do that. If you want a trivia with like a good Austin Flair that supports Austin businesses. You should play Trivia Five One Two. Again, Nolan, that, I know that's a free plug, but I'll take I, I'm it. Genuine, and I need that. I'll take all the plugs I can get. I love it. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. All of our listener will be really, will be really excited to hear that. So, so JP, so JP, I understand you have a line at. We're, we're missing Guardy today, so you know Guardy's been on every podcast since we started. You know, he started Top Guys, the whole lifestyle, the mindset, um, and that's why, that's why we started this podcast. He, unfortunately, has to fly somewhere and be on a boat or something. I can't remember. Some, some kind of Top Guy bullshit, he said. So we're going to do our best to hold the mantle. Uh, JP has a line item in honor of Guardy. I hope it's something minuscule and stupid to be upset about, JP. It absolutely is. So, Perfect. <clears throat> I, I was at HEB this week, and I... Jim, I, I know you probably think I'm a peon for actually going to the grocery store, not doing like pickup or delivery. That's fine. I do. I don't. I don't have kids. It's so, a you know whatever. I, I have time to go to the store. 
And this is a trend that I think actually started before the pandemic, but it's gotten worse and worse. And it's the fact that HEB no longer has people sacking groceries in the checkout lines. Yeah. It is. It has turned what used to be a fairly fast process in checking out into like a 10 to 15 minute drag on thing where there's three people with full carts in every single line because they're making the poor kid who's a checker. And look, I worked at HEB for a long time, seven years between high school and college. I worked almost every job in the store. And I can tell you the most thankless job is the checker. It's the worst. You got people yelling at you. You got coupon lady. You got screaming kids. You got people who don't unload their cart in an effective manner. It's a tough job. <laughs> but then you throw on to that kid or adult too. Hey, you also got to sack the groceries after you're done checking them out and processing their credit card and everything. I'm pissed. I don't know when HEB decided to get cheap and say, oh, we're not going to pay the $10.50 an hour to have some kids sack some groceries. But I hate it. I... I- Agree with you because, and only because I don't, I, you're right, I don't go grocery shopping anymore. Fuck grocery shopping. It's a nightmare. Get it from one of the million places that will deliver groceries for you. It's worth the fee. I hate people. I hate being around people. I hated being around people before the pandemic, but I definitely hate being around people now. Um, but yeah, when I would go back in the day, when I would go to the grocery store, this seemed to happen to me every single time. I'd have like one kid or two kids with me the whole time. I'd have a cart full of groceries. There'd be like some maniac in front of me. There'd be there would be a bagger there, and as soon as I pulled, I pulled up, up, the bagger would like leave, would tag out, and go take a break. And I'm like, damn, now I got to bag these things up. I got to deal with these kids and deal with this. So I I come around. I bag my own shit. I don't make the guy do it. I try to get everything in the bags before he's done rigging me up. That doesn't always work. But yes, JP, we're moving towards a world where they want you to do everything yourself. Uh, and I don't know if you've seen it, my HEB recently, but it is literally just all self serve checkout, like a Walmart line. Ugh. Yeah, they definitely try to funnel, da- funnel you down into the self-checkout. Yeah, that's for sure. And I feel so terrible. I always make eye contact with an actual checker when I'm at <laughs> when I'm at the self-checkout line. And, like, I can just see them just, like, shaking their head at me. Like, it's a mixture of, like, I'm glad you're not making me work. But at the same time, like, you're ultimately going to, like, cost me my job and this machine is going to replace me. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. That is what's going to happen. I've, of- I've often wondered why you can't make an app on your phone, right, that scans every item you pick up and put into your cart. So, you know what I mean? Like, you, you, you place your bags all in your cart, then just put them in the cart as you go through. Then when you're done, everything's bagged, you're all paid, you walk out the door. What's the problem? Damn, Jimmy, that's a good idea. Shrink would I got be a, million a major of issue there, though. Think about, yes. think about the level of theft and, like, forgetfulness. Like, I, I'm not even talking about people who are just outright awful and would steal. I'm talking about people who would just, like mistakenly not scan the like $14 Tide bottle I don't know I, I think you'd run into some major major issues there I I tend to believe in the good in humanity but I don't know about the grocery store I, I work there long enough to see what people do when you're not looking I mean I'll, I agree with you that people are terrible um, I, that was my thesis statement from the very beginning but all I want is the world to be faster and easier. I, the one thing I liked about the pandemic, well, I didn't like anything. Obviously, 600,000 Americans are dead worldwide, millions of people, terrible, terrible thing. But, you know, we, we learned to kind of streamline things. I like taking the QR code menus with my phone. I don't want to hold disgusting menus anymore. I like being able to order drinks sitting at my table and then go pick them up and walk them back to my own table. 
you know, there's little things that came out of it. Automate my life. Make it easier, please. I don't want to have to stand in any more fucking lines. I'm going to ask you one question about grocery delivery, Jim. Yeah. yeah. And, and Sam <laughs> might have some input here, too. Mm-hmm. Do you not find the produce they pick to be just absolutely, completely, with utter disregard for how you would pick a piece of fruit yourself? Yes, that is a big problem. But we tend to get the Honeycrisp apples, which, you know, top apple out there. Um, the top high, apple for a top guy. Top apples for top guys. Um, the organic bananas always kind of look a little brown, but that's all right. We go through those like uh, like wildfire. Um, limes always look kind of fine. But peaches and stuff, depends on the fruit. It really does. Now, that, whenever they send us avocados, they're rock hard. So we have to let the avocados sit on the counter for like two and a half weeks before you can even cut into them. So that's a problem. But other than that, no. I mean, the produce looks all looks pretty good. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I just have a good deliverer person. Or maybe, maybe. I just have a better HEB. Maybe. That might be the issue. It's possible. Is there an HEB employee? Do you do like curbside where there's like an actual HEB employee there like getting your stuff for you? Or do you just have like some uh, like favor driver rolling in there and just like grabbing your shit? Yeah, that, they just, uh, it's a person who drops it off at my front door. Oh, yeah. And if I could pay an extra fee where they would put it away, I would pay that too. <laughs> because, like, I'm, I'm just saying, I don't know if it's laziness. I don't know if it's me getting old. I just want, I want the world of the future I was promised when I was a kid. I want a meal in a pill form. I want a fucking jetpack. I want to live the Jetsons lifestyle right now. Right. 2022, when it was 1986 or 87, they, people thought 2022 there was going to be a colony on the fucking moon. There's nothing. What do we got? So we don't even have self-driving cars yet. This is bullshit. We have very, very we have real bad self-driving cars. <laughs> right. right. It's like this terrible. It's a, it's, a, it's a dystopia. It's like we have we have them, but they they kill people. <laughs> anyway, so we're here before we get into our honorable mentions. I want to play a quick round of Top Guy Trivia. Not Trivia 512, but Top Guy Trivia. I feel like Nolan spends his whole life creating trivia questions for others. Yeah. This is my opportunity to create trivia questions for him. The theme is Western Trivia. The two themes are going to be John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. All right. Nolan or JP, question number one. John Wayne's real name. Ooh. It's Marion something, right? That is right. Is it Marion Wayne? No. Marion Barry. No, no, he, he smoked, smoked crack, crack in D.C. And got reelected. <laughs> and got reelected. <laughs> With a prostitute, yeah. Uh, it's Marion something. I don't know. I don't know. His it is. That was, that's close enough. You'll get a half a point for that one. Marion Robert Morrison. See, I wouldn't have given that point to anybody if they didn't know the whole name. You're a, you're a, you're a fairer trivia master than I am. Well, I yeah. mean, come on. I've been like, you can take your stuff from Marion's in a sack, bitch. Like... <laughs> Was, was he a World War II veteran, or was he too old for that? Uh, no, but he was in movies. Yeah, he was too old. No, because no, yeah, uh, he was acting pretty much the entire thing. There's a really good documentary on Netflix called Five Who Came Back about these directors who all went to World War II, like as propaganda, like directors. Are they were actually like embedded with, uh, like one guy was with like the very first concentration camp they found. This other dude was at the Battle of Midway, and I think it was. Uh, John Ford that was at the Battle of Midway and he subsequently made movies with John Wayne and he would like constantly apparently be calling John Wayne a bitch because he acted all through World War II right. when this guy had actually gone like it was like, <laughs> like, like, like 
Okay, like it showed a line of the obituary where he was like, yeah, he would often berate John Wayne for not serving in World War II. <laughs> but they were like, but John Ford and John Wayne were like best friends. Like, yeah, totally. But they were just, he was just busting balls. And it was like, yeah, well, I was fucking, I filmed the Battle of Midway. What would you do? You right. Know? <laughs> <laughs> he was in the sands of Iwo Jima. Yes, yes. All right. And this is, this is a total shot in the dark. But if you had to guess, John Wayne's favorite drink. Hmm. Is it an alcoholic? Guys like him are eccentric. I'm going to say Brandy Alexander. Something ridiculous like that. Ooh. I bet lemonade. I bet he was just like a teetotaler, didn't even drink. Nope. Salsa commemorativo tequila. Ooh. Nice. Well, he was married to a Mexican woman at the end of his life. So that makes sense. Okay. Hey, he filmed a lot of westerns. I'm sure there was a lot of tequila on set when you're filming a western. Uh, all right. This one's, this one's kind of weird. Which 1960s sitcom did he make a cameo appearance on? John Wayne's 60s comedy. It was his favorite TV show. That's why he appeared on it. Is it Happy Days? Nope. nope. Huh. Nah, I, 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 I couldn't even space. begin to guess. The I, Beverly I Hillbillies. Out. The Beverly oh. Hillbillies. Oh, it's so obvious. When they asked him about payment, he said, give me a fifth of bourbon and that'll square it. Because he liked the show so much. All right, moving on. Not not Saza Commemorativo? No. Well, I mean, Uh, I don't think he was discriminating. But uh, Clint Eastwood trivia. Uh, All right, here we go. This one's a good one. Clint has been nominated for Oscars many times, but only once as an actor. What was the name of the character he was nominated for? Money. It was the dude from Unforgiven. It was... uh, Great answer. That's it. Bill Money. Bill Money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really? Nice. Nice. Which film did Eastwood famously say, go ahead, make my day? Uh, the in- Dirty Harry, The Enforcer, right? Was that the first one? Or No, I think Dirty Harry, I think, is the first one. Is there actually a movie called Dirty Harry? Yeah, I believe uh, it's Dirty Harry is the first one. All right, I'll go with, yeah, I like Dirty Harry. It, it, it's not Dirty Harry, it is a movie called Sudden Impact, but he still, he still plays the character of Dirty Harry in Sudden Impact. It's the same guy, it's just in different movies. Just like, yeah. And Deadpool. I can see the movie scene, he goes in the diner, and then it's the black guy, and he's laying yep. on his back on the street. Yep. Ah, I'm pissed at myself, that's fun. I gotta know, man, I gotta know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, final Clint Eastwood trivia question. This one's relatively easy if you know your Clint trivia. Clint was mayor of a California city from 84 to 88. Name that city. Was this like a gag thing, or was he actually like a No, he was like, like multiple terms, I think, and as mayor of this... He was the actual mayor from 84 to 88. He's been the honorary mayor of this city many times. It's in the bay. It's in the Bay Area, and it is beautiful. I don't know, Carmel by the Sea. That sounds like something he would do. <laughs> JP, that's one hundred percent correct. You're a good guesser, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> you know, he's such a shitty guy. I used to love him, and the more I found out about him, the le- the less that I like him. Yeah. Um, well, we talked about I Kevin mean, Spacey last week, and kind of the same thing that like a lot of his filmography has been ruined for me. Yeah, it's somewhat of the same thing with Eastwood. It, it some of the stuff now when you watch, you're like, oh, I realize how just awful of a shitty person you are. 
Yeah, he's uh, he holds some opinions that are not my opinions, but I try when it's not um, directly about uh, pedophilia or um, you know rape or, <laughs> or anything. Or else as like Gordy that. says, oh, he just jacks off in the corner. There's nothing wrong right. with that about Spacey. <laughs> Right. So, like, that stuff is egregious and beyond. But, you know, I just, politically, I, di I disagree with Clint Eastwood. But I can still separate the art from the artist to that extent. Um, all right. Speaking of which... We're can, I, we can, I, can I hit something really, really quick just before we move on? I, looked up, I looked up the uh, synopsis of the episode of Beverly Hillbillies that had John Wayne on it. <laughs> and uh, it reads as follows. <laughs> Jesus. Right. Some Native American businessmen are coming to Los Angeles to discuss oh, Jesus. a. I know already we're off. We're off to a great start. <laughs> oh God! Some Native American businessmen are coming to Los Angeles to discuss a deal with Mr. Drysdale, but Granny gets her wires crossed and thinks they're coming to attack. <laughs> so Mr. Drysdale <laughs> hires some actors from Central Casting to humor her to pretend to be the, the businessman as opposed to the Native Americans, and one of the ones that comes up is John Wayne because she loves John Wayne. Wow, that is wow. insane. Yeah. That is an insane, insane plot. Is that, what they call, is that what they call the golden age of TV? Yeah, that is. That's exactly what they call it. Jesus Christ. When we talk about making America great again, that's the great America that's... that they're talking about. <laughs> Bamboozling all women in business deals. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. The golden age, the Beverly Hillbillies. Um, but yeah, as soon as, you start, as soon as you started that description, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, God. This yeah. <laughs> It's like your grand. Let's you bring your black girlfriend over, and your grandfather starts to tell a story. You're like, oh shit, <laughs> about the black guy, the black guy yeah. he worked with in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like that guy. He was all, yeah. yeah, showed at the same time as me every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Well, we got to get into honorable let's mentions. Uh, this is very important. So, Nolan, you being the newbie, um, we usually start with the newbie on honorable mentions. Um, this is the way we do it. We give our honorable mentions one, two, three, or three, two, one in that order, whichever way you want, and then we'll make comments on it, um, and then JP will uh, do his three, and then I'll do my three, and then we do our top picks one at a time. I love it. All right. All right. My first honorable mention is Little Big Man. Really? Anyone's seen Little Big Man? Not the, nine, the 1970 Dustin Hoffman's Dustin Hoffman classic about it's the lone the lone survivor. But I have seen yeah. it, yes. I, uh, I feel like I saw this movie before I saw Dances with Wolves. Okay. My reason for picking this is pretty much autobiographical. I was out of town with my dad, shrimping. My dad ran a shrimp boat forever. And so in the summers, I'd have to go shrimping with my dad. And then one night, we went to a video store, and he saw Little Big Man and freaked out and was like, dude, we got to watch Little Big Man. And he never, my dad never, ever suggested movies. Like, I was always in the movies. He didn't want to watch movies. And so the fact that he suggested a movie to me was a huge deal. And um, it's a hilarious movie. There's a, a great scene where uh, Dustin Hoffman's Native American wife makes him have sex with her three widowed sisters uh, all at the same time, all in the same TP, same night. It's fucking amazing. Um, That's so the dream right there. Yeah, that is the dream. And Dustin <laughs> Hoffman's just great. Uh, it... Uh, yeah, it's a good one. Um, so do I just roll on to number two? Do I just do, do we want to talk about it for a second? Or? Well, I just want to say I'm embarrassed that I have never seen it. Um, I've looked at it a million times. It's um, it's slow. You don't want to throw it on like at eleven o'clock at night after a bunch of drinks. Like you know, it's a yeah. good like five o'clock 
in the afternoon, hit the vape pen a couple of times and just like let it wash over you. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. it's good. That's, that's good to know. I yeah. will, I'll, I'll check it out. It's in my notes. Uh, my second honorable mention is Young Guns. Mm. Y- yep. Awesome. No? Am I, am I stepping on somebody else's list? You, th- they are in my list somewhere. I'm not going to say where, but they okay. are in my list somewhere. And uh, yeah. yeah, Young Guns. I mean, come on. Dude. It's, just, it's just, yeah, it's just, it was just porn for me at my age. Like, yeah. I was always, I've always had like a predilection towards knives. I've always thought knives were cool. So like Lou Diamond Phillips, like rolling around with like 28 knives on him, just like throwing them at everything that fucking moved, like did it for me. I was always a fan of Jack Palance. I like Jack Palance as Murphy. Yeah. Uh, that was my first introduction to Dermot Mulrooney. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> or is it Dylan? No, yeah. And, uh, and my uh, first introduction to peyote. Where out, where out, where like hallucinogens were presented in a uh, in a realistic and productive manner. Mm-hmm. And, I uh, still, when I'm high, I and still like say, to, yeah, my mom I still today. Say, you see the size of that chicken? Today, <laughs> my to this day, my mom like if I come, I'll go visit, and you know, I'll pop out in the back and smoke a bowl or whatever, and she'll always like come in and see me, and she's like, "Do you see the size of that chicken?" Yeah. I mean, she will like <laughs> constantly hit me with, "Do you see the size of that chicken?" and uh, so yeah, that's another that's another warm, cockle warming memory for me. I Young Guns Two, Young Guns Two has its whole different thing. Whole, Young Guns Two is a whole different co- discussion. Maybe not a better movie, but maybe I like it more. Well, let's talk about music and movies because the oh, Bon Jovi song in Place of Glory is it. fucking phenomenal. I love that song. Forget about it. And my third honorable mention. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Whoa, whoa, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh no, it's okay. There's, a, a, a random, random trivia, trivia thing about this movie that I've always... always... Actually, there's Actually, two there's things, things I want to talk about about guns. guns. Charlie Sheen, Sheen at this time <laughs> was considered, like, maybe, maybe like, the like premier young, young actor in Hollywood. Hollywood? Like, I'm, that's not that's a stretch. Not a... Like, I know I know, saying that now sounds ridiculous, but in 1988, which I'm pretty sure is the year this, this film came out, um, go, confirmed, yes, August 1988, Sheen was like the guy, and he's like the fourth or fifth listed actor on this movie, right? Yes, but it was a starring vehicle for his brother. So I think, uh, you know, he probably was trying to, to support his brother's movie career as much as his own. And he was like, if I can do a supporting role, still get paid and boost Emilio's profile at the same time, let's do it. Emilio's older, though, right? Yeah, but not as successful as, as uh, Charlie. It just seems kind of crazy, right? Yeah, I, it just... It, it just seems like it's something that wouldn't happen today, right? Like, you, you probably wouldn't see... I don't know. I'm trying to think, like, uh, who's a hot young actor right, right now. Timothy Chalamet, he's going to be in the new Dune movie. I doubt you'd see him as, like, the fourth or fifth actor in a movie now. That guy's only going to accept roles oh. that are going to continue to up his star profile. Charlie's, Charlie's a top, a top guy, guy, dude. Charlie's, Charlie's always been a top guy. He's got tiger <laughs> blood. He's, he's got... got he's, uh, a he's a rock star from Mars. Mars. Uh, um, a Vatican assassin. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, he's by winning. winning, is what he's doing. So, <laughs> And then my, my second point about this movie is that both Tom Cruise and John Bon Jovi make non-speaking roles, uh, which is my favorite random piece of trivia about this movie, and I have seen this movie a thousand times. I thought that was Young Guns 2 that Bon Jovi was in. No, they, uh, they're both henchmen. Uh, like really? Had, uh, what's the bad guy's crew? What's the bad guy's name? Murphy. Uh, uh, the Mur- Murphy. 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 There you go. Yeah. That, they're, son, they're that like Irish son crew. of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reap, Reap the whirlwind, whirlwind, Sheriff Murphy. Sheriff Brady. Sheriff, Sheriff Brady. Brady. Damn it. Ooh. Right. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's been a while. while. I did not. He does say Reap at Murphy, but yeah, at the very end, but it's okay. Um, I did not rewatch Young Guns because I feel like I had that on VHS in the '90s and probably wore out the tape on it. I've I've seen that movie so many times. All right, Nolan, we got your number one honorable mention. What do we got? Uh, my number one honorable mention, I'm being a little selfish here just because I'm really preaching the gospel of this content right now, but my number one honorable mention for our Western category is the ex- is season four of The Expanse. What? <laughs> you heard me. Are you guys familiar with The Expanse at all? I know about the show, and I've t- I've, people have told me to watch it on a million occasions, and I've tried to watch it. I think it, it was just me occasions. a million times telling you to watch it. <laughs> I I a love the expanse. I'm a big fan. Hell yeah! Just missed the cutoff in our our outer space uh, discussion that we uh, that episode that we had a couple weeks ago. I was fucking but appalled. The expanse is a great show. I'm a big fan. So basically, the quick quick rundown of the expanse for Jimmy is that it's about 300 years in the future. Humanity has moved to the stars. We've colonized Mars, and then we have been mining the asteroid belt. And long story short, these weird alien rings open up that uh, it's basically like this big hub system of like wormholes to where all these different worlds are available to us that weren't available before. And several just like straight up showdowns were just like the bad guy and the white hat are just like standing like 100 feet from each other just like talking shit until like one of them shoots. Um, and any time to do, they, anytime I can do any sort of like Western themed like tropes in space, I'm just super, super down, and this was a bullshit entry, and I know it was, was from the beginning, but I just wanted to talk about The Expanse, <laughs> and I want more people to watch The Expanse. Uh, it's an amazing book series. The very last book in the series just went to the publisher, so like in September, the very last book, I mean, it's like, it's basically Game of Thrones in space. These guys are like actually protégés of George R. R. Martin, like they've studied under the guy. Uh, Wait, the guys who wrote the books for The Expanse? So it's two guys writing under the yes. same pen name, James A. Corey. And, um, but it's two different dudes. And these guys, like, straight up, like, are legitimate, worked with, and studied under protégés of George R. R. Martin. The books are presented in the same, like, they have, like, all the Game of Thrones books are from different people's perspectives. Every chapter is from a different perspective. They do the same thing in The Expanse. It's my favorite thing right now. I've probably listened to the audiobooks, like, eight times all the way through, just driving around delivering food. It's just the shit. Everyone needs to know about it. And I'm sorry that I shoehorned it into your podcast that's <laughs> but you, sh- you showed up with an agenda it's all right the only thing i hate about that show is that thomas jane isn't involved more in the later seasons holy shit in season one he's like unbelievable i'm like find a way to keep that guy in the show and it's possible that he's like too big name of an actor and didn't want to continue being on a sci-fi show before is he, 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 is, up by he is he though I mean, I don't know. You know, Thomas just because you know, knowing someone's name and someone being a big name are two wildly divergent things. I don't think Thomas Jane's that busy. I watched a terrible fucking movie he was in with Bruce Willis called Breach, which I'm saving that for the sci-fi pod. But uh, he's obviously he's obviously not busy, and uh, he could definitely like hand, hammer out a couple more seasons of The Expanse. Another reason I didn't watch of The Expanse is because of that stupid fucking hat. So that was you. I was about to say like somebody. I was remember. I was trying to think that someone was just like, yeah, I'm out of it because Thomas Jane's wearing this hat, and I'm just like, are you like literally like? 
that's like saying you're not going to watch Game of Thrones because you don't like that dude's armor. I don't know. That's just that's just <laughs> it's fucking absurd. It's just the goofy. It's the way he wears it. I don't know. The whole thing. And then like the but people and the people like on the show give him shit for the hat. Like, I know. Yeah, so it's like, it's, you know, it's aware. It's self-aware. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's meta. The hat is meta. All right. we're, getting, we're getting bogged down with the Expanse thing, which is exactly what I wanted to happen, but I feel like it's not your vision for the episode, all, so... All good. <laughs> we're changing it to Top Guys the Expanse is the new name. Uh, JP, let's go. Top, uh, your, your honorable mentions. Sure. Uh, these are in no particular order. I, I feel like the honorable mentions are a clear second class to my top yeah. three. Which is how this was designed to be, so it worked out perfectly. Uh, my first one is Back to the Future Part 3. Nice. It's sure. just a delightfully zany movie, and I think that's the easiest way to describe it. I, I also like that it picks up immediately from Back to the Future Part 2, mm-hmm. uh, it, just like Part 1 did. It, it's so silly. And, like, Doc Brown somehow getting a steam engine locomotive to go 85 miles an hour, which is, <laughs> like, literally physically impossible. I looked it up. Just well, no, but no, but th- he made the things. He made those colored logs, bro. Like, that shit checks out. He's a scientist. Yeah, yeah. totally yeah. does. And then somehow, the like, mm-hmm. the clock tower, like, it's still a, a MacGuffin to the plot, which just seems insane. I, a, a highly... We, we, we talk about Nolan on the podcast a lot is... is are or is the movie or movies rewatchable? So, like, if it comes on cable late at night, oh, they should make on, a podcast about that. <laughs> yeah, we should. Like, is is that movie gonna like stay on the TV, or are you gonna keep scrolling? Back to the Future Part Three stays on the TV. It 100%. always does. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Back to the Future Three, a great western. It is. It's. It, it's great because he calls himself Clint Eastwood. And there's so many like Clint Eastwood references in it, um, like where he he uses obviously from Fistful of Dollars he uses the uh, the stove front to be a bulletproof, bulletproof vest. Oh yeah, um, it's referenced. It's he, referenced in two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is. Sith watching it. Yeah, love it. And then uh, yeah, there's there's just such such great parts in it. And then it becomes Eastwood Ravine rather than Barton Ravine. And uh, yeah, it's just ridiculous stuff in there. But no, it is. It's it's a it's a big Steven Spielberg. You know, it's fantastic. The I love it. You know, what, you know I mean. what I mean. He's part. What did Spielberg produce it? Okay, oh, okay. You're, you're talking about producers then. Okay. I'm talking about people involved in the project. I'm not talking about. The, I didn't say he directed. I said it's a Spielberg project. He's involved in the project. Spielberg makes movies. Spielberg makes movies. It's a movie. Okay. Another cool. Another awesome thing about Back to the Future Three that I've always, I've always really liked about that and in its place in the trilogy, is that Back to the Future Three is definitely the most sentimental of the Back to the Futures. Like, I know this sounds weird, but, like, romance between Doc Brown and Clara, that's, like, good. I mean, it's, like, compelling. I mean, like, they fucking bond over science fiction, and, like, you watch them fall in love. I don't know. It's just, I buy the vibe. Mary Steenburgen, I've got, like, long lifelong stock in. I'm all about her. I believe their chemistry. Like, when she fucking shows up, like, rides the horse and jumps on the train, like, dude, it's good yeah. shit. Like, I don't know. It's just... I will often go and just rewatch the scene where like they're at the dance and like Doc and Clara start dancing, and with ZZ Top by the way doing ZZ their the, doing great. their acoustic set, and and Marty watching it and, and Marty's just like, well, goddamn, Doc can dance. I don't know. It's just uh, that was always my favorite thing about Back to the Future Three. It was like this actually like somehow the third installment of this trilogy like busted out with some heart, 
and yeah. like made it work. It, like, it wasn't, it didn't, never felt shoehorned in. It was like, oh, we got to do this romance. Like, and it wasn't like Marty falling in love with some chick in 1885. It was Doc. And that's my jam. I love it. I fucking love it. Yeah, that's all valid points about Back to the Future 3. Great movie. Love it. Oh, and Amblin Entertainment was produced the thing, and that's Spielberg. All right, so anyway. The boy. The boy. <laughs> JP, here we, here we go. Honorable mentions. Yeah, my, my second honorable mention is Dances with Wolves. Never heard of it. <clears throat> Dances, Dances with who? Dancing with Wolves. Dances with Sorry. the Wolves? Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, Great film. Yeah, I, and I actually went back and rewatched it the other night because it was the one that I I knew that I loved but I hadn't actually seen in a while. And what I came to find out when I rewatched it, and it's on one of the streaming services, I forget which one, I, I, I think Netflix... It doesn't score very high on the rewatchability. Uh, it's a little scale. slow. It's a little slow in the beginning. It's a little slow, and I realize it's one of those movies that, uh, and Nolan mentioned this earlier, is uh, you hit the pipe a couple times, maybe you smoke a, uh, you know, half a joint, pour yourself a drink, turn the lights down. Do a little meth. Whatever. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, kill a hooker, whatever. Whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever's your thing to relax. <laughs> sure, and and uh, and then the movie is great. But if it came on at like five p.m. after I like walk the dogs, there's almost no way I'm putting that on. Right. Uh, I I will say no one can stare into the wilderness as great as Kevin Costner. Like in every movie he does it right. Like in, in Field of Dreams, he looks at his dad, except he's looking at the camera. It's his dad, you want to have a catch? You know. Oh. Uh, in, Bull, in Bull Durham, he hits that last home run and, and then stares into Susan Sarandon's eye. Like, no one can do it like Kevin Costner, and he does it so much. Sounds like you're saying no one does baseball like Kevin Costner. Uh, no, no one stares like Kevin Costner. It's a good stare. He has a Jim good and I have a long-running argument that Field of Dreams actually isn't a baseball movie. This is, this is a long-running, uh, continuing discussion. It's Jim funny, JP, because I bring this up with other people, and a lot of people are on your side about this, who are like, yeah, I don't think it is a baseball movie. Like, it's it's a movie about family and loss and, you know, a million other things, but baseball really isn't at the heart of it, which, I mean, I, I completely disagree with, because the guy builds a fucking baseball field, and they play baseball. baseball yeah, so. it's, a little, it's, a, it's a little bit of baseball movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bull Durham like is one hundred and three percent a baseball movie. Yeah, Field of, of Dreams is like thirty-two percent a baseball movie. Look, if if Kevin Costner's in it, it's, it's already thirty-two like, percent a baseball movie. No, pity. no pity laughs on this show. No, I, I, that, no that wasn't laughs. a pity laugh. That was a legitimate chuckle. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, <laughs> JP, number one honorable mention. Uh, Django Unchained. Wow, that made honorable mention. Yeah, of both Waltz and Leo DiCaprio going at each other. Like, I feel like even Offset, they were probably, like, secretly rivals. Like, I'm a better actor than you. Like, you can can feel Christoph Waltz being like, I'm literally acting in my second language and I'm beating your ass. Like, (laughs) it's, oh, it's so rich. And... And like, and I get a big part of the film is kind of more of a Confederate slavery thing, which Tarantino is obsessed with for whatever reason. Um, but like the element of the West, right? Like they're they're in the mountains. Um, Christoph Waltz is amazed that Jamie Foxx's character's wife is named after a, a, a German 
uh, like mythical legend. Brumhilda. Brumhilda, right? I mean, the the and Guardy's big thing is, hey, does the movie move? That movie starts moving quickly. A lot of Tarantino movies are kind of. Sometimes they take a while to set up, or hey, it takes 30, 40 minutes before the action really starts going. This one, though, from the beginning, it moves quick, the plot's fast. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson does a great turn. Uh, it, the, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm a big fan of that film. And uh, of his later work, which, like, The Hateful Eight sucks. I have no problem oh. saying that. Quentin, if you ever listen to my... If you ever listen to my podcast, I'm really sorry. That movie is awful. It's terrible. Uh, but, but man, Django, and I saw this in theaters, uh, and it, it's the kind of movie that you can put it on your screen at home. If they ever re-release it, like if Alamo Drafthouse did a special Django re-release, oh, I'm there. 1,000%. I want to see Christoph Waltz and Jamie Foxx sitting by a fire talking about Broomhilda and a dragon, and they're out in the West, and they're talking about German mythical legends. Hell yeah. I'm in it. I love it. The cast is great. The action is great. And the final shootout is, like, just tacky enough. <laughs> this is absurd. Like, I love it. Yeah, just tacky enough to, like, really that little maraschino Luxardo cherry on top is the final shootout. I would watch Christoph Waltz bartend for two hours. Yeah, like, yeah. when he's pouring him and Django the beers, where he just, like, takes a little stick and, like, I know, like, Brad, like Quentin does this, this thing where it's just, like, I could watch Brad Pitt driving around 1969 L.A., for eight hours like if you just like had a long clip of that like i would watch that and just like little people doing mundane shit i would watch brad pitt feed his dog for an hour like and like <laughs> seriously i would just like love to see like just christoph lost behind the bar mixing some pouring some shots scraping the head off the beer with some sticks like yeah quentin tarantino's like capacity for like portraying mundacity that wasn't supposed to rhyme uh is uh <laughs> shut the fuck up yeah it's something else i love it i just fucking love it and i fucking hate the hateful eight i'm, I'm right there with you it's right there in the, it's, it's right there in the name it's i so guess bad. yeah you're supposed to hate it it's so bad um and every director makes a piece of shit i think christopher nolan just made uh tenet it's maybe the worst movie i've ever seen i fucking hate it i, I give a shout out to how much i hate tenet i think in every podcast so that was my one for this go around uh all right jimbo's honorable mentions um number three wide earp Ah, okay. An epic by Kevin Costner. Um, you know, if you're going to tell that story, um, you should really give it the, the the good soak as Kevin does in this one, and I just really like it. I have absolutely nothing to say. Is Kevin okay? Let's 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 this is a good question. Is Kevin Costner a better director or actor at this point? Ooh. I think I think he's always, always been a better director. I don't think he's a, a fantastic actor by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he's a good actor, and I think when you give him roles that he really wants to play in, uh, he can be great. So, like, baseball and westerns. Like, he's <laughs> he obviously loves those two genres. Um, and, another, and ex- another genre that he seems to love is uh, uh, women in dystopian situations having sex with him to expand the gene pool. Because that, <laughs> that happened in... <laughs> Two, count them, two Kevin Costner movies that happened in The Postman and it happened in Waterworld. So, uh, yeah, so apparently, I think Kevin Costner has a secret idea that he's like some sort of weird uh, like superhuman sperm seed crystal type thing to where if there's a, if there's a suffering... 
<laughs> if there's like a suffering waning gene pool, like all you got to do is call in my man Kevin and he's going to come in and like literally pump it full of fresh blood. Yeah, he's going to diversify it. Yeah, exactly. He's gonna ride in from his range in Montana and, <laughs> and, and give you the give you the good seed. Yeah, and drop out, um, and drop off the mail and sell you some dirt. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> I found these. There is no dry land. Um, my second is Young Guns. We've kind of already discussed it, but had to put it on there. It's very formative for me. You have to understand. Young Guns came out when I was ten, and there is no better time for a boy to see a cowboy movie then at 10. Movie, love Young Guns, will always love Young Guns. JP, we talked about rewatchability. If that's on TV, 100% stayed on the TV. That's fair. I I would agree. Like if, it, if it's on, I'll watch it. It just didn't quite make my list. All right, my number one honorable mention is Open Range, and I'll, and I'll tell, tell you why. Because you love Kevin Costner. Well, well yes, I do, but... Mostly because I figured any any list of cowboy movies or westerns has to like similarly to baseball movies has to heavily figure figure in Kevin Costner, and I really like Open Range. I I, I really enjoy it. That's so, so fuck so, so fuck you yeah, guys. That, Thank that, you that's much. incorrect, but okay, yeah. I'm kidding. Busting balls. Yeah, just every once in a while you disagree, but no, I, it, it's it's a fine film. I. Not high on my rewatchability scale, though. I will, yeah, I, I will agree that it is a motion picture. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the movies that have ever been made, that is definitely one of them. Right, let's keep it moving. Nolan, you're number three. Let's hear it's it so I can make fun of it regardless of what it is. No, well, I'm going to take care of that right now. My number three pick is The Proposition. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I've never heard of it. Hate it. Are you being serious right now? Uh, well, I'm, I'm big serious in the fact that I have never heard of it, okay, um, and I've never seen it, but I already hate it because it's your number three pick. Can I read you the premise of the movie on IMDb right now? Pierce, his older brother, his older brother and his younger brother, they're all in a gang. His younger brother is sort of a simpleton. His older brother is the mastermind. And so this cop captures him and he's like, hey, I know, I know it's not you. I know it's your big brother. So you have nine days. I'm going to set you loose, I'm going to give you a horse, I'm going to give you a gun, bring me your brother's head, or we're going to kill your little brother, who we both know has nothing really to do with this. Oh. Yeah. And I love the idea of uh, Westerns taking place in Australia. Shout out to Quickly Down Under. And uh, <laughs> I'm... Tom Selleck. <laughs> Tom Selleck and Alan Rickman, baby. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't sell the sheriff short in his second awesome sheriff role. Uh, but uh, I, I love Nick Cave. I love his music. I love his writing. The fact that he wrote this movie just like blows me the fuck away. It's very apparent that he wrote uh, this movie. He scored it perfectly. I mean, just his his music just sounds like the desert. The last time me and Angela went out to Big Bend, I just like loaded up the Proposition soundtrack or the score and fired it up and we listened to it for like eight hours straight driving through the desert. It's amazing. My favorite thing about it is that it just shows how absolutely miserable the Old West actually was. Like, everyone's teeth are rotting out of their fucking head. It's not like, I mean, like, Guy Pierce is the star of the movie. He's a big star. Like, his teeth are fucking black. Everyone's yeah. covered in filth. You can see the grime. You can see the dirt. Like, there's a scene where, like, there's a bunch of people standing around and they're just covered with flies. It really, um is a testament to the brutality of the West. I don't know. It's, it's just a solid movie, and I'm also just down for any Westerns that take place in Australia because it's just a colony of criminals, and it just makes sense that you would do that. That's my, that's my number three. It's true. There, it's true. Should, there be should be more, more 
There should be more westerns in Australia because you're right, it is filled with a bunch of scumbags. Australia is definitely like character in the movie. You, you, you hear about, you, you hear people say that like on press tours where it's like, oh yeah, like this atmosphere, this island, or the, you know, Nakatomi Plaza is a character in Die Hard or whatever, but like, sure. the, like the landscape of Australia like measures into it in a really big way. It's a great movie. You should check it out. JP, have you seen the, have you seen the, have you seen the proposition? No, I, I feel so bad. So I'm just, I'm just an I asshole have, talking about a movie here then. All right, cool. No, I, I, I just have nothing, <laughs> I just have nothing to add about this film. I, I haven't seen it. I, I, I would recommend, I mean, it's, this is a word I say about Nick Cave a lot. It's fucking exquisite. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, not a lot of people are into Nick Cave's music. My little brother actually got me into Nick Cave and, I, and it's just like this weird, beautiful little crystal rose thing that I'm into that like I feel like other people aren't into or can't even see and and it like translates and I mean like he wrote this movie and it translates into the movie and um, it's just a beautiful movie and it's a good doc I mean it's and it deals a whole lot with like the politics of Australia especially in terms of uh, colonialism and the aborigines and everything it's a it's a it's a I mean they, they really just straight up supplant the native I mean the natives with the natives but like Instead of Native Americans, they have the Aborigines, and uh, this is very similar politics, but at the same time, in a totally different context, it's fucking amazing. Um, are we done with the proposition? Yes. Yes. Okay. But that, that. But now we're moving on to JP's number three because we. Do, oh, we alternate. We do round, okay. Beautiful. We, we do round robin in the top picks. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So very, very quickly, I, I want to mention Lonesome Dove. It, it's too good to be in my honorable mentions, but not good enough to be in my top three. Wow. The, okay. The the eight hours or whatever the hell it is is just so arduous. But Tommy Lee Jones and Robert Duvall and Diane Lane have enough star power that I, I, I you know I can't even think of a single reason that I would sit down and watch that thing again. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a real really piece don't. of shit. It's a real piece of shit. I love the book. I've read the book twenty five times. It's, it's I mean, I was in second grade when it came out. I liked it when it came out, but it's not. Good. It's the yeah, best. I, I, a, it's the best ABC had to offer in a miniseries in 1989. Yeah, and I mean, like it won like I, I think it's something like seven or eight Emmy awards. It's something insane. Good to be an honorable mentions, but not good enough to be. So it's kind of in one boat. Uh, well, if the, if the only mention of Robert Duvall in this podcast was Open Range, that would have been a goddamn travesty. So that <laughs> so this alone, you're doing this alone. You're doing the Lord's work. So this is not. We are not picking the most celebrated movies. We are picking the movies that we like and we rewatch. I really like Open Range. Fuck all you guys. Am I coming in too hot? I'm sorry. I feel I'm, I'm just excited. I'm stoked to be here, and I'm trying to be part of the conversation. No, no, I, no you're doing a great job. Breaking my balls is part of the deal here. Uh, uh, someone's got to do it. What top guys do? Guardian. Yeah, exactly. My uh, my my number three though is Blazing Saddles. Yeah, and and look, I the one thing about this movie that will never not bother me, and this movie would have been number one by a mile, but when they break the fourth wall at the end of the movie, I have always hated that about this film. Really? Yes, I always bothered me about this movie, and I can't believe like. Because the amount of love I have for the the, the film itself is uh, unbelievable. I mean, like Gene Wilder, God bless that man's soul. Absolutely. I, 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 I have I mean, used I have used the "this is my drinking hand" joke literally <laughs> four times this week. Yeah. yeah. Like literally this week. Like I was talking to someone. I was like, "Yeah, but this is my trivia hand," and I like held up my. <laughs> and then, like, That's oh, one of the okay, funniest like, fucking things in the world. Oh my god. 
like we're supposed to be in 1875, but there's Nazis and motorcycle gangsters too. Like the whole thing is like perfectly done, and then for whatever reason they just ruined the last 10 minutes with the breaking the fourth wall thing. I I, I uh, I'm gonna have to respectfully disagree with you on that one, JP. I'm so it's, down for that. Whenever that happens, like I love it. Yeah, yeah. far be it. Far be it from us to second guess the comedy genius of Mel Brooks and Richard Pryor and uh, and Madeline Kahn, everyone else in that movie. That's, like, that's not Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor wrote the film, though. Did he really? Yes, he was supposed to. I'm gonna shut He was supposed to star, but the 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 studio wouldn't let him star in it. Little, little play, play, yeah. play that the part and, that Richard Pryor was going to play. And, and a couple little. other things yeah. uh, about the film that I think are worth mentioning. Uh, it comes in at like an hour and a half, which I think too many movies now are getting to the two-hour mark. We need less two-hour movies and more hour-and-a-half movies. Agreed. Um, and this is going to be way off-topic, but uh, Paulina dragged me to watch Crazy Rich Asians a couple years ago. That movie, movie was like an hour and a half. It was great because it was 90 minutes. I didn't have to suffer through two hours of rom-com. Give me an hour and a half of rom-com. So Blazing Saddles, the length. And then maybe part of the reason that I hate the fourth wall thing is that Mel Brooks did it first. And maybe it was great at that time. But because I'm a, I'm a little bit younger than you guys, and now breaking the fourth wall is seen as like a lazy comedic device, maybe that's sure. why I hate it. So maybe this is like an age thing where like if I had seen this movie and not seen other broken fourth walls in the past and hated the trope, it's possible I would like this one more. But I mean, even though I hate the last 10 minutes, I still adore this movie and I, I wish it was number one on my list, but it's number three. Yeah, I, uh, it definitely should be on there. I'm glad it was. I'm glad it was featured. This was. I struggled with Blazing Saddles because I love that movie and I wanted to put it in my top three, but I felt like it was a little on the nose. Plus, there's just so much. That's what I love about the three and three format that we're doing now is because uh, you have to. You gotta. You have to kill your darlings to a certain extent. With that being said, my number three is Tombstone. Uh, you cannot find uh, a better. Wyatt Earp, um, I and I, I'm putting pitting him against uh, Kevin Costner Wyatt. and Wyatt Earp. Didn't you just uh, wasn't literally okay? Never mind. It, it, was, it was an honorable mention. You're right. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, Kilmer's, Kilmer's fantastic as Doc Holliday. Absolutely love him in that. Um, and it, I mean the gunfight at the OK Corral, everything in it. Um, I'm your Huckleberry. Uh, and the rewatchability factor, all of the things. It checks all of my boxes. Yeah, but Michael Bean is Johnny Ringo, like you know. One of the greatest, like, unsung careers in Hollywood. Like, what happened to that guy? Kyle Reese, Aliens, Johnny Ringo. Like, he was in some of, like, the craziest... Like, if you look at the roles that guy played, it's out of fucking control. But, like, most people don't even know that guy's name. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he was a big cokehead or what, but, like... The Abyss, he shows up in The Abyss, right? It's like he's the, the crazy he's marine in The Abyss. Gets, he's so he good. He goes hypoxic or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, and well, James Cameron clearly loved him. I think he he kept him in a lot of his movies, um, whether it was a starring role or not. But him him and Cameron had a pretty tight relationship, um, and he's been in some he's been in some bangers. You know, he's been in Tombstone, Terminator, The Abyss. Like he's got a pretty solid resume. He popped up in the, yeah. he popped up in the Mandalorian last season. Yeah, yeah, he should have been a bigger star. I agree. I don't know why he wasn't. That maybe he was a cokehead. I have no idea. Maybe he just didn't yeah. want to. Maybe he's one of those guys where he's just like, I'm cool. Like you know. 
comfortably rich. Um, I can still walk down the street, and he like keeps it like that. No, I, I think he's. I think, I think I, he's like a Timothy Oliphant type of character. Nice, I like. Well, I don't feel bad for him uh, because he got to create John Connor, who was going to lead the people against the, the machines in the future. So that's true. He's fine. He did get to create John Connor in a stunning sex scene with Linda Hamilton. Oh, oh fantastic! Yeah. Woo! Woo! You know she's supposed Woo! to be eighteen years old in that movie. Really? Really? Apparently. That's that's like, like they're supposed to be sixteen years old in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right, so we got number two picks coming out. Bring it on. That's me, right? Yep. I'm starting. Uh, my number two pick is 310 to Yuma. I'm, I got to be honest with you. I'm shocked that that's in your top three um, simply because I, it's it's a movie. I will give you that. It's I don't I don't think that it's it's rewatchable. Well, it's also not on all the time. You know, it's not one of those like Tombstone. If you if I were to put on TNT right now, I guarantee you, Tombstone or The Green Mile would be on one or the other. Um, but I just I've seen it once and just kind of mad it a little bit. The main reason this is on my list again, this like The Expanse, this is sort of uh, an awareness entry. Uh, there's something in this movie that is not in a whole lot of Western movies that I feel like should maybe be in most Western movies and. That's one word, and that word is Pinkertons. <laughs> it's not just the Weezer album, folks. So the Pinkertons, I don't know if you're aware, were this basically like privately owned paramilitary... Uh, it was like ISIS on Archer. It was like a private like, intelligence agency. They did, uh, they did like security. They did investigations. They like, fucking absurd... That we just don't see the Pinkertons. I mean, it's it's right there. It's in history, and it's just like it could be like Indiana Jones with the Nazis. You know, it's like everything's going fucking fine until the goddamn Pinkertons show up. Yeah, and uh, why and I just I, I just feel like I don't know. There should be like an X Files in the Old West. That's just two Pinkerton agents rolling around like fucking solving shit. Like I don't know. I'm a sucker for the Pinkertons. I read I read all about them, and you never ever see them in Western content and so that's why that's why I'm throwing in three ten to Yuma. You know and also, I, I also love Christian Bell. I can't get enough of that fucking lunatic. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Isn't it yeah. wild? Let's say you go and watch <laughs> three ten to Yuma. Okay. Yeah. And then you watch, then you watch the, Dark Knight, the Dark Knight. Yeah. And then you watch, then you watch Vice. Vice. And that's the <laughs> that's same guy. The same man. Yeah. <laughs> and then throw in the machinist just for fun. Yeah. That's like five hundred pounds that he's lost in game in those four movies. I love it. I love him. Yeah, I just can't. Yeah, like once a week, I watch his like freak out on YouTube where he's like yelling at the sound guy that like slips into the shot. I just, you know, I do that when I wake up every morning. Are you, are you a professional? Are you a prof- I'm a goddamn professional. Oh man, I love it. So. What happened to Russell Crowe? Did he just like make enough money and just say I don't give a fuck anymore? Like one hundred percent. I don't think he ever gave a fuck. Uh, and I think he just got rich enough to where he just like, yeah, I think he's good. He's in that I weird road. Ra- he's I in that weird road rage that. movie. In a beautiful mind, he clearly gave a fuck. Like, yeah, I, I, you mean twenty years ago? Awesome. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I Russell Crowe is. Uh, I, I mean, he uh, he cares about the craft. I mean, the guy's been doing it for forever. He's won a lot of awards. He's clearly very, very good at it. 
Um, but he just, uh, there's been a few kind of shitty movies that he's done, and I think that he's a little bit phoning it in, similarly to like Bruce Willis now in his career, where like, I'm not comparing the talent of the two, I'm just saying like, everything you see Bruce Willis in, it's like, he never changes his facial expression or delivers any line that isn't a monotone. So like, you're just like, this guy is the definition of phoning it in. And Russell Crowe's kind of doing that too. However, I would like to point out one of my all-time favorite movies. This would be in my top three all-time is the nice guys um i think that he's so good in that and so comedic and and has such great timing um and with with ryan gosling that it's just it's a fantastic movie and of the latter day of his latter day work that's probably the shining the shining diamond and all of it now i'm thinking about russell crowe and the shining that would that would be I'd, I'd, i would watch that movie <laughs> JP, number two, hit us with it. Uh, so you already mentioned it, Jim, but it's Tombstone. Yeah. I want to give a very special shout-out to Sam Elliott, who... Oh, yeah. Meat. It's what's for dinner. Yeah, and, like, you know, we, you and I have a shared, deep love for the movie Roadhouse, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I yes. love. And, you know, the, the crazy thing to me about, about Elliott in 93 is that he did Tombstone, which is... I don't want to say a silly movie, but it's fun for a Western, right? Mm. Casting director was for that movie, picking him to be Virgil Earp. Uh, masterstroke. He's he's like the glue of that team, and I hate saying that's such a sports cliche. Ugh. But he truly is the glue of that cast, and I think he's like the perfect older guy that, that kind of brought everyone together and made that, that movie what it was. And my, my last and favorite thing about this movie, and when I say favorite, I mean literally favorite. Uh, you guys saw last night, I'm currently growing a mustache. Uh, it's looking pretty decent, I think. It's terrible. Every <laughs> single mustache in Tombstone is real on every single character. Yeah. That in alone in itself in Hollywood in 1988 is awesome. And that just, <laughs> when I watch that film, I go, that's a real mustache. Oh, that's Sam, a real mustache. And I, Sam Elliott's is epic. Yes, it's unbelievable. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's like salt and pepper, you know, silver fox mustache. I want to get all up in that thing, play a board game. Um, all right, all right all so that's my, number two. my number two, here we go, Outlaw Josie Wales. Mm. Love Outlaw Josie Wales. This was, again, this was my formative I want to be a cowboy phase. Um, and it's such a great story uh, of Clint Eastwood just being a fucking badass from beginning to end um, and you know fighting against the Union Army uh, fighting against pretty much anyone that got in his way alright number one picks coming up guys I don't want to be a stickler uh, and, uh, have, brevity have brevity be the soul of wit, of wit. I can go we're, fast we're, we're, pacing, we're, pacing, we're pacing well, well. I, I like I where we're at we're, we're good, good. Uh, right. I love right. it so we're, my, we're, we're on my number one right Yes. Number one, Nolan, number one, here we go. My number one pick is a little movie from 2017 called Logan. Oh. What? Yeah, actually, James, uh, director James Mangold's second appearance on my list, because he also directed 310 to Yuma. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, again, I said before, I'm a sucker for the application of Western tropes. Like literally the last words in this movie are like a quote from the movie Shane. Uh, really? 100%. Like, have you seen Logan? I, I, yes, of course. I just I no, yeah, I the, don't think of whenever, it as a Western. Well, well it's uh, old 
warrior hiding out on the border until a posse shows up and then he's got a young girl to save even though he doesn't think he's worth a shit anymore and then i mean it touches on all of it it's like there's a young gunslinger there's an old gunslinger just waiting to die i see a, a modern western i just love it and on a personal note i went and saw logan the day after my birthday it came out the day after my birthday in 2017 it came out on a tuesday i went and saw this movie by myself on a tuesday morning at like 10 o'clock and every other person in the theater with me pretty much was a dude by himself. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, if you go see a movie, yeah, but like that was the, pretty much the whole deal. And like by the end of the movie, like I couldn't see anybody's head. Like everyone was so slouched, slouched down in their chairs because they were obviously weeping, like I was. And uh, yeah. whenever she's like at the end, where like she goes and like takes the cross on Logan's grave. Spoiler alert! And turns it into an x like everybody in the theater simultaneously was just like <clears throat> like like every single person in there chose that moment for some reason to clear their throats like aggressively then when the lights came on everyone just sat there for five minutes nobody fucking moved uh it's a great gunslinger redemption story and it's just it hits all the hits all the g-spots for me and i fucking love it that's my number one logan uh, uh, one it's note, un- it's I, unconventional, but I love it. I love it. One note about that film: uh, Alamo Drafthouse did a special black and white. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Saw it. Ten out of ten recommend. Watch so this good. movie in black and white, and it is not just a western. It is the it's, it's like, creme yeah. de la creme of westerns. All right, I love it. JP, number one pick. Whew, oh man, this was tough, uh, but. I feel very comfortable in my decision. You and Guardy last week said The Town is one of your like truly favorite movies, not just for the list that we were doing, but just just in general. Yep. Uh, the film I'm about to talk about is easily in my Mount Rushmore of my favorite movies, and that's No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's fair. Anton Chigurh is one of the scariest human beings I've ever seen on a movie screen. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. when you're a kid and you see Freddy Krueger or Jason, okay, obviously that stuff is scary. Okay, it's, it's a guy with a chainsaw, it's a guy that invades your dreams with, like, long nail fingers. Okay, yes, of course that stuff is scary. But when you're talking about just a normal human being, I guess he's not normal, but, like, someone who doesn't have superpowers and is just, like, a stone-cold assassin... I literally, about twice a year, have a nightmare that Anton Chigurh is coming to kill me. Because <laughs> there's no stopping him. He's a machine, and uh, and he's got, like, how to field dress his wounds, and he's just a pure psychopath who's just, like, very good. And that's the thing. It's, like, the only advantage you have over a psychopath, it's, like, in uh, uh, Red Dragon, where he's, like, oh, I had one very big advantage over you, Dr. Lecter. And he's, like, what's that? And he's, like, you're insane. Yeah, so it's like that's the one advantage you have over psychopaths. But Anton Chigurh is such like a clear thinking, uh, plotting psychopath that yes, he's frighteningly icy and amazing in that. Yeah, in, in in Javier Bardem, I, I, his his credentials cannot be uh, disputed. He he's amazing. I thought Josh Brolin really as the the trailer park cowboy. Which look, I I grew up in Texas. Nolan, did did you grow up in Texas too? Oh, you I, bet I, your I'm ass sure. I did. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so you and I both grew up with trailer park cowboys. Like I went out to deer hunt to shoot for dinner, and you come across a Mexican cartel and the money. 
happened a thousand times. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And then, and then, and then like, Woody Harrelson, Harrelson somehow convinces me as, like, the rich oil guy representative. Like, it makes total yeah. sense to me. I love the exchange with uh, Josh Brolin and his girlfriend or wife when he gets back from getting the money. And she goes, where'd you get that gun? And he goes, from the getting place. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was the real moment for me where it was like, that's what motherfuckers used to say all the time. And it's the dumbest, most annoying fucking answer to any question. And like when he said it, I was like filled with like this mixture of like nostalgia and like pure fucking revulsion. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, ah, oh, God damn it. That was right. I did. Yeah. And then, and then um, at, the, at the very end of the movie, uh, there's, there's two things. One, when Josh Brolin's girlfriend or, you know, common law wife or whatever she is at that point, when she says, you don't have to do this, and Kyla James laughs at her and says, everyone always says that to me. Like, literally, I can feel my bones chill. It was awful. Oh, yeah. And then the second scene, and and this one was particularly moving to me because I've had a number of friends whose parents have passed away. And when Tommy Lee Jones is talking about him being older than his father and his dreams now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because he's older than his dad ever was. Yes. Because yes. his dad died young. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. Yeah. Ooh. There's something about that that was at your heart, but then you're like sad because the characters are dead. But then you kind of start thinking about your own mortality, which uh, Jim and I have talked about this a lot. I'm Catholic. Like when you're Catholic, like, you're forced to think about your own mortality all the time. Hell, when you're like five years old, they tell you you need to be ready to die. Um, it, it's 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 the last the last sacrament. Yeah, you, you know, rites. I and 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 oh you know, hell, I I you know, it's not like I'm I'm speaking despairingly of it. It's just it's just part of the that culture in your family, and you're sitting there thinking about wow, like what if what if I dream of my and I'm older than my parents one day? It just seems like a ridiculous thing, but it's a perfect Cohen brothers final little hat tip at the end of that film. And I, 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 I've probably gone over my allotted time. We talked about brevity, but that movie, <laughs> a rewatchable. B, it makes me feel something. C, the cast is awesome. And then D, like I said, the scariest, baddest movie character who's like a real human being I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said, JP. And I think that the the writing, you're right, it does what when you were talking about feeling all those feelings when listening to, to uh, him deliver that line. Um, I mean, that's a testament to Cormac McCarthy's writing. Um, and that's some of that stuff in there, you know, is what they, you know, what the Coen brothers brought over um, from, from the, the book. book. Have you guys read and that book? I've never, I've never read it. No, I, I, I read oil, uh, parentheses, there will be blood, but I never read no country for old men, which those movies those came movies out the same year, by the way. It is the most, the most, faithful adaptation from a book to a movie that I've ever seen in my life. Like, they were, it's actually pretty impressive. I've never seen anything quite like that, where it was just like, they were just like, ah, this is just an amazing book, we're not going to change anything, let's just make this, like, literally just put this on film. It's, uh, it's something else. I recommend the book to anybody. Anyway, that's my thing. Absolutely. I've, and I've, it's rare that that happens, like, when there's a, a truly great adaptation from book to movie and that if you can get someone who read the book to speak highly of the movie you're like holy shit that must be a really good fucking, no, it's fucking, fucking adaptation unreal unreal all right all right well i'll have to i'll have to read it but this is called top guys movie podcast not top guys book podcast for a reason oh because uh because top guys can't read yeah <laughs>
that's, that's, well, that's, that's, well, that's a big part, part of it. Top guys prefer not to read. Top guys shouldn't have to. Top guys should not have to read. Thank you. The only thing I want to read is a lady's is a lady's Tinder profile. That's it. No. Oh, um, I know. That, that was for Guardian. Shout, Shout out, Guardian. Um, my, number my number one, Unforgiven. Nice. Mm, good pick. I love this movie. I think it is paced so well. The story is told so well. Uh, Gene Hackman as the town sheriff is couldn't. I mean, the casting is just unbelievable. You've got Morgan Freeman who makes any movie at least fifteen to twenty percent better. Um, and then you've got Clint who plays, you know, a role at, at his age for where he was at and the role that he played in this as Bill Money deserved the Oscar. Um, and just, I think he won for best picture too for Unforgiven. And it's just from beginning to end, it's, it's so good. And uh, I can't recommend it high enough. Any thoughts on Unforgiven, you guys? Love it. Uh, great. Um, Richard Harris performance as the, uh, that's Richard Harris, right? The, the the British guy who comes in to yes yeah, yeah who yes curly bill the just, duck the duck of death yeah curly bill just beats the shit out of mm-hmm. yeah I love I love the way he, he shoots the bartender and he goes you just shot an unarmed man and he goes he we should arm himself he's gonna decorate his bar, his bar with my friend yeah ooh, <laughs> ooh gnarly you know, stuff. good stuff in a vacuum without have have having ever seen this film which I have many times you would never think that Gene Hackman would be good in a western role. I mean, he's so good. In right? this. Like it's, you know, like you think yeah. he's he's always been like a Navy man or a basketball coach. You just never think of him being a Western guy. Yeah, he's more of like a modern day actor, or at least you know, nineteen seventies to now modern day actor. But he's so good in this as because he's he's clearly a very smart man. He's he's clearly a man who has a lot of uh, road behind him. Um, and when he tells the story about the Duke of Death and, and his the real the real what happened really at a shootout and like how good you have to be to be good in a shootout, um, all that stuff is great. But also when uh, the the writer criticized his carpentry and how upset he got, you're like, oh, so this guy has has this big ego as well on top of all this other stuff. So yeah, he he was a very nuanced bad guy in a way where. Um, you know, he wasn't that bad of a guy. You know, he was he was protecting his town, and he was he was had to be deliberate and smart about it. But also, he just you know he fucked up because he fucked with Clint Eastwood on a on a on the wrong day, and uh, he came in and killed his ass. So yeah. Do you? Do you? Shit won't fly. Sometimes when I watch don't fuck this, don't fuck with Clint. Don't decorate your bars with Clint Eastwood's friends, bro. Like that's it. Simple rule. Sometimes when I watch this, like, do you ever think of the French Connection and how Hackman is? Also playing a lawman in that movie, but kind of not on the up and up all the way. Like, I don't think I don't see a, a, a clear similarity there, other than the fact that they're both you know quote unquote lawmen. I don't know. It just it just I, I I'm always intrigued by like when when actors play a role 25, 30 years apart that could be similar in a way. I don't know. It's a tough guys movie. Yeah. podcast. I like asking the tough questions. That's true. Don't ask the tough questions. You'd make ask the, the tough top questions. Yeah. Yeah. May, yeah. And I, I, may I make two very small points about things that really didn't come up in discussion? You may, but make them quickly because oh, we gotta we gotta sign up. Oh, I will make them very quickly. Um, I've had many friends, including Kirsten and Kaylee. Shout out two of our our loyal listeners who give a lot of feedback. Yellowstone is supposed to be like the greatest <laughs> Western TV show like ever made. Made. I've been hearing that. I haven't I gotten haven't to gone. it, and 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 Kirsten and Kayla, I promise, at some point it will be mentioned on this podcast in detail because we've actually watched it. But 
from everyone I know that's seen it, the the reviews from from friends, from critics have been overwhelmingly positive. So I, I promise I'll get to it. And then uh, a little bit of a shame, no one mentioned a spaghetti western in any of our lists. I think it's important to mention that that part of the cinema history is really rich. It, Fistful of Dollars and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly almost made my list. I do like those movies. I've rewatched them prior to the podcast, and they just didn't make my list just barely on either of the honorable mentions and the top picks. But that's what I, I really like the top three format because yes. you do have to kind of kill your darlings a little bit. But I think anyone who has a really deep breath or understanding of, of Westerns would probably be appalled. But also, we talked about this during the podcast. These are the things that affected us at, a, at an age, you know? Like, my dad would say uh, any sort of John Wayne movie or Shane or Stagecoach or any of these other ones are the best Westerns ever because that was his generation and that's what he loved. Right. It's just I just think it's important to mention that an Italian guy on a super low budget made these, like, really seminal Western films in Europe. Uh, I just I just think it's such a weird, idiosyncratic... Uh, excuse me, idiosyncratic, um, just like little bit of trivia about about film that just just seems almost impossible to believe that that Clint Eastwood got his start by making a film in Spain that's supposed to be set in Mexico. It just, I don't know. It it, it just it has to be worth mentioning, especially in a Western podcast about movies. Yeah, absolutely. And Sergio Leone based Fistful of Dollars on Akira Kurosawa's Yojimbo. Right. So like, it's it's funny how globally, you know, whether you're in Italy or Japan or you know in Hollywood or wherever, um, that all of this these mediums that you can kind of see these films and and they can influence you no matter where you are. Um, similarly, it's like uh, you know Nolan's trivia influences me to learn more about movies and care more about pop culture. Uh, Nolan, do you want to uh, trivia five one two? You what are you two days a week, three days a week, every day of the week? So we're two days a week, about to go to three days a week. Um, I'm in the process of booking a Thursday night game. We have a, a Tuesday night game at seven o'clock at San Elmo. We also have a Tuesday night game at Thrive Craft Garden, which is up north. And then tonight we're doing a game at Radio Coffee and Beer at 8 o'clock, as well as a game at Lou's on the east side at 8 o'clock. And that's, and that's every Wednesday. That is every Wednesday, yeah. All right, well, All right, well for Top Guys, Guys Movie Podcast, Podcast, I'm Jim Davis. This is John Paul Wachikowski. <laughs> and, <this is, laughs> and this is Nolan English. Great, we'll, great. we'll talk to you next time. Thank Thanks. you, guys. Yeah, yeah, it was a pleasure. That was super fun. Yeah, yeah. You did, you did great, man. Dude, that was... Awesome.